today on CityCast DC. The toxic work culture in the DC public school system has long been an open secret. Now, Deputy Chancellor Melissa Kim has resigned over it. Tomorrow is her last day, and Sam Collins from the Washington Informer is here to tell us if things will be any different once she's gone. It's Thursday, October 6, 2022. I'm Bridget Todd, and this is CityCast DC. Sam, thanks for being here. I know that you have been reporting on this story for a while, but for folks who don't know, who is Melissa Kim? Melissa Kim is the deputy chancellor of DCPS. Uh, She's been in that position since 2018. In her role, uh, she was responsible for the Anacostia and Baloo redesign, as well as other mechanisms in place related to data collection and teacher performance. In your reporting for The Informer, you really talked about the ways that this kind of alleged toxic culture has permeated at DCPS for a while. Describe that culture for us. What are folks saying this culture was like? From what I've been told, people at the top, they want a certain outcome or what looks like a certain outcome for DCPS. And meeting that goal requires, at times, keeping teachers in line as well as principals and making sure that everybody's on the same page. And in DCPS, again, from what I've been told, there is little room for divergent thinking. And a lot of times that is often manifested in how Melissa Kim allegedly spoke to principals and other people who were under her purview. And not only speaking to them in a certain way, but leveraging resources to ensure their loyalty. And while nobody at the time throughout her tenure spoke out against it up until now, it was a well-kept secret among officials and administrators that you didn't cross Melissa Kim. And this was told to me by former and current DCPS employees who, of course, spoke on the condition of anonymity. And it got to the point where, according to them, that Melissa Kim wielded more power than Chancellor Lewis Farabee. Wow. So someone actually said, like, there is an unspoken rule that you do not cross Melissa Kim. Yes, yes. People who came on to DCPS were told by more experienced employees strategies about how not to cross Melissa Kim or how to just stay in her good graces. What were some of those strategies? By the end of the day, it was about making DCPS look good in the news. So in terms of staying on Melissa Kim's good side, as long as higher level officials under her purview were creating or manifesting the best results possible that made DCPS look good, that kept Melissa Kim off their back. And this is what I was told once again by people who decided to remain anonymous. I guess one of my questions that always comes up when we're talking about toxic workplaces, DCPS is an intense environment where People feel like they know these, as you put them, certain outcomes they have to meet in order to succeed or to avoid the wrath of somebody. Do you think that's just the overall climate or does does the buck really stop with Melissa Kim? Do people feel that she was responsible for that kind of climate in general? It's not necessarily on Melissa Kim. It's indicative of an entire culture and a machine that is data driven and is driven by test. 
that corporations put in place. Education as a whole has been corporatized. And if you talk to teachers who are on the front lines, oftentimes a lot of what they're being asked to do, they will tell you that those requests do not align with the outcomes that administrators say they want to see come from students. So when the environment and the tools that are put in place do not reflect the outcomes that the higher ups want, then that speaks to a whole system where a lot of pressure is being put on people, teachers and administrators for situations that are totally out of their control. Metrics that are given to teachers and are given to schools through the star rating system oftentimes do not take into account extenuating circumstances that affect student learning, such as where they grew up, their family situation, or even cultural differences. You know, when we're talking about black students or students of color in general, cultural differences between them and their white counterparts that often determine the outcome and test results when we're talking about the testing culture and even the test questions in general. You know, there's been a shift in the way that DCPS is operated. And if you speak with veteran teachers, once again, they will tell you that it's gotten further and further away from being people centered. So Melissa Kim is not the end all be all to answer your question. This is indicative of a bigger system that is reliant on results and reliant on outcomes and data collection and things that are more cerebral than they are people centered. That's a really clarifying way of putting it. And it sounds like this whole issue really is indicative of a greater chasm and how people are approaching education, right? Like, how do you measure actual meaningful success in the classroom? Is it test scores? Is it grades? Is it cultural? Is it something else? It sounds like this was the whole meat of the conflict. It is about this conflict. And the COVID pandemic was our opportunity to solve this conflict once and for all. But when the powers that be saw parents taking education into their own hands via homeschooling, then the tide turned once again with the investment in education, because education as an industry is one that feeds a lot of parties, not just teachers and schools, but we're talking about those who keep the lights open at these schools, as well as the corporate interests who fund the professional development sessions, who fund the tests. Everybody has a part to play in education when it comes to creating this industrial complex. And in the month of October, we are in the middle of counting season where students are being counted at each school and each student brings in each school tens of thousands of dollars. So this is a very lucrative industry, an industry that cannot fall off because if it falls off, there are a lot of people in trouble. And once again, we are not just talking about teachers. We are talking about people who are in boardrooms, who are nowhere near children, nor do they have any idea of what it takes to change the tide in the state of education. Hmm, so given that you describe this as this massive systemic issue where it's not just about teachers or anyone administrator, but really it's a larger systemic thing. Do you think it's fair that she's the one resigning, taking the fall for this toxic environment at DCPS? It's not for me to say whether it's fair or not. Right now it's under investigation from what I've been told. What I will say, though, is that it took a white man's complaint to get Melissa Kim to this point. And I think that speaks to institutional 
and systemic issues that have been around long before you and I were born. So that's something for DCPS and society at large to pontificate on. Of course, Melissa Kim uh, is an Asian woman or Asian American, I'm not entirely sure. And as one of her supporters told me on the record, her disposition, she has been criticized for it before, but it's often as a mechanism to command respect. So there's a balance in how do you command respect and get the results versus watching your tone and being a leader that brings people together. There's a balance that you have to strike from what I'm seeing here. And it's often, you know, an issue of does the end justify the means? Yeah. You mentioned earlier that it took a white man speaking up. Had other people been speaking up about this who had just been ignored or silenced or overlooked? People have written emails. I've been told that people have written emails. People have spoken out against principals and school leaders who had relationships with Melissa Kim. And because of those relationships, their future was pretty much secured, you know, so it doesn't stop at Melissa Kim. Anybody who Curry's favor with her was protected. And once again, this is what I was told, because the story that was released weeks ago was not the beginning. Melissa Kim's name has come up in conversations in the course of writing other stories. So when you're talking about the DCPS corporate structure, so to speak, we're talking about not just teachers, but administrators of various levels who have interactions with Melissa Kim. And all of this is coming from the very top. So anybody who I've spoken about and written about, you know, with your superintendents or your supervisors or whoever else, what they do supposedly is because of the mandate that Melissa Kim and others of her level have given out. Is there a precedent for this type of thing having happened in D.C. before, you know, essentially people presiding over toxic cultures at DCPS? Um, pretty sure, once again, does the end justify the means, right? And two, are we really taking the steps as a community? Or is the school system really taking the steps to ensure that students are learning? Is what the school system putting in place leading to those results? And depending on who you are, the answer to that second question will vary. You have folks within DCPS and the Office of the State Superintendent who really like standardized testing. And as a matter of fact, they've used standardized testing as, as a means to strategize around how to rectify COVID learning loss. For some people, standardized testing is where it's at. But if you're a teacher or if you're a student who has test anxiety, we don't like dealing with that, especially with, you know, the series of tests that students are given, these assessments that they're given periodically during the school year. Because not only do they have MAP tests and the park exam, they also get tests periodically within, if I recall correctly, a three to six week period. So in increments. And oftentimes the test might not even reflect what the teacher taught. We're test crazy. That's all I'll say. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like you are someone who is looking for a little bit more balance and not just having the only metric of success for a student be tests and testing. It sounds like you're looking for a system that is a little bit more holistic and that just allows for more balance that's not just so data-driven. Be honest with you, Bridget, I'm looking for more of an indigenous system. And, you know, indigenous in the sense that 
parents and communities and teachers had no borders between them and learning was a lifelong endeavor. Right now, we're at a time where people are realizing that a college degree is not the only metric of success. People actually want to engage different career paths, more vocations. And DCPS and the charter school system, the LEAs, are trying to bring that. So we see them pivoting toward that, but it's still within a framework that is still very corporate driven and is very censored with a lot of power concentrated in the hands of the mayor. So in regards to the question about balance, I think that balance for all intents and purposes means when parents and communities uh, have complete control over a child's education, when a child is not relegated to the classroom for eight hours a day, not knowing what's going on. And of course, what we're speaking about, once again, speaks to the whole capitalist system. I'm not going to say I'm anti-capitalist or whatever. I'm all about industry and commerce. At the same time, what I will say is that parents who have to work eight, 16 hours a day, they have no choice but to send their children to school. So it's a question of what society did we build where parents have less and less control over their kids or they have less and less choices in how they can dictate the future of their child's education. That's where I'm at with it. How do we get education back in the hands of parents and communities and break down these walls and make parents more accountable to their children's future? Yeah, I mean, what a what a transformative vision for schooling and what it can look like. And I guess to sort of wrap up, I mean, Melissa's last day at DCBS is on Friday. What do you see as being next for her? I know that people who have been accused of presiding over toxic workplaces, sometimes they sort of disappear. Sometimes they just move up and amass more power. Uh, where do you see Melissa Kim going next? I mean, from an HR perspective, uh, I would say Melissa Kim took the right strategy in leaving in the midst of an investigation instead of waiting until the investigation concluded. From what I was told, she accepted a position at a nationally renowned education organization or nonprofit or foundation, whichever, I, I forget, but it's nationally renowned and it allows her the opportunity to uh, take what she has done to the national level as far as being a consultant and just being, and just having her hand in a lot of projects nationwide. So it's not over for Melissa Kim and nobody should expect it to be so at all. Wow. Well, it's, I guess we have not heard the last from her. <laughs> well, thanks so much for being here, Sam. I really appreciate it. Thank you for the platform and the time. It was very enjoyable. And before you go, some quick news. Local activists are pushing for more transparency related to a lawsuit about the release of a Montgomery County police officer's disciplinary files. Union lawyers asked to seal the legal briefs, but transparency advocates say that this only keeps police misconduct shrouded in secrecy. And it's important because this is an early test of Anton's law, passed in Maryland last year to ensure public access to police misconduct complaints. Meanwhile, Montgomery County's planning board chair has been docked four weeks of pay for keeping alcohol in his office. Casey Anderson confessed that he kept dozens of bottles of alcohol at work, and he was outed by an anonymous complaint. And lastly, a new poll from the Washington Post and University of Maryland shows that almost three-quarters of registered voters in Maryland support legalizing marijuana for people over the age of 21. And they'll get a chance to vote on it this November. Maryland already has a legal medical marijuana program, as do 36 other states and D.C. 
Remember, if you've got election questions, let us know. You can email us at dc at citycast.fm. That's all for today here on CityCast DC. Want more news from us? Subscribe to our newsletter. And we'll be back tomorrow morning with even more news from around the city. Talk to you then. I think I've been saying chasm incorrectly my entire life. I'm so I'm going to go back and listen to every podcast I've ever done to be like, did I say it wrong? I have. <laughs>